In today's podcast, I want to speak about the Bible promise that the true church is the fullness of him that fills all in all. Greetings. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Equipping the Bride podcast. I'm Brother Jason DeMars from Beaufort, South Carolina, a minister at Bethel Tabernacle. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Friday. You can watch this podcast on YouTube and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. May the Lord richly bless you. Hello, everyone. I am Jason DeMars. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. We sure appreciate that. We, I want to start by getting into some listener feedback and comments. Uh, I got uh, several of them in the last week. Um, I'm going to be going to be doing some of the podcasts here, recording them in advance because I'll be traveling to the Middle East for missions work um, this coming Sunday. I leave, and so remember me and the missions work there in prayer. Um, so here's some feedback. This was to uh, feedback on the video. What does the Bible say about? nail polish and uh, Jennifer writes in okay now so how are we supposed to look different from men I just want God so well Jennifer amen I just want God too but remember that God is identified through his word so God is the creator of heaven and earth and God creates the world with order and he makes male and female different. In fact, in as I, as I stated, so now we're supposed to look different from men. Not now, from the very beginning, God created men and women different, made them to be different. Uh, nail polish does not make a woman. Uh, the Bible says um, a woman should not put on a garment that pertains to a man, neither should a man put on a garment that pertains to a woman, it's an abomination to the Lord. So it's it's always been biblical for a woman to look different from a man. We can go on and on. The clothing should be different. A woman should wear a dress. A man should wear pants. A woman should have long hair. A man should have short hair. Uh, this is how the Bible says that we are to look different. Nail polish and makeup is an additive that is it's a fake it's a put on and it's for sexual attraction it's not for modesty and holiness it's for something different so that's how you're supposed to look different than men all right also just uh from brother don gurgle writes in excellent answer to the question what does the bible mean by the poor in spirit, uh, comment from last week's uh, podcast. So thank you, Brother Don. Once again, I want to thank my subscribers who've gone on to Buzzsprout 
that link and given to support this podcast on a monthly basis with $10 a month. Thank you to those subscribers. If you're blessed by the podcast, please consider supporting it and helping me continue with it. Any excess that we have goes towards uh, spreading the word, using uh, advertising online also, uh, which has been tremendously effective. I've used uh, Google ads as the Lord provides and Facebook ads, and this has created uh, quite a number of um, uh, additional feedback and uh, more people purchasing the, well, they're not purchasing the books, but ordering the books for free. Remember that. You can go to the website, jasondemars.com, and the books are free and the shipping is free. But we're just trying to spread the spread the message of the hour. Come and buy without money, as the Bible says. So you're you're more than welcome to do that if you're in a position to that you'd like to support this podcast. We certainly appreciate it. We can definitely towards the things that we're uh, doing for free and also f- uh, for the missions work as well. So let's get into our topic: the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Let's look at this. I'm going to start out with the scripture. Revelation 3, 19 through 21. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne throne. So this perfectly shows the condition of our age. Here we have Jesus telling us what his love is. His love is corrective. If if you're wrong, his love does not tell you you're fine, just continue in your sin. That's what this age wants. Many in this age simply want a Jesus that comforts them in their sin and in their lifestyle. But that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Then we look at verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is the saddest and most pathetic denouncement in all of the seven churches in Asia Minor that 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 stand for the prophetic picture of the church age. Jesus is on the outside of the church, knocking, trying to call to those who are inside to come out to him. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. He's going to come and dwell in him as an individual and will sup with him and he with me that will feed together on the life of God. To him that overcometh, I will grant with me. So there that is the only clue that there's anything positive in this age is there is an overcomer in this age. The church as a whole is denounced in this age, and there's only individual overcomers. So let's look more at the conditions of this age. The Pentecostals and Charismatics are getting more and more caught up in prosperity, 
And you see the very best of them are ones like Joel Osteen. It doesn't really preach the gospel anymore. It's more self-help. Or Kenneth Copeland, who's so focused on money and prosperity that they've almost corrupted everything that they stand for. You don't see anyone really doing any big meetings or healing campaigns or anything anymore. The most that they're doing is their own TV shows. Uh, that's, that's their main focus, and they're continually pulling for money, sowing seed into the ministry. We make this difference. We do this. We do this. It's not about feeding people the word and helping them grow and spreading the gospel out. Then you see people who are close to preaching many truths of the gospel and predestination and the authority of the word of God, like Paul Washer, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, and each of them denies that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation and the supernatural is in effect in every church age. They believe it ceased after the death of the apostles. So look at this. Where can we go from here? This is the fruits of putting Christ out of the church. Now you even see today we have a, we have a movement amongst large evangelical non-denominational churches that's seeking to lift up homosexuals and feminism by downplaying the Bible. We have Andy Stanley over in the Atlanta area with the mega churches now saying you can't base your life and faith on the Bible because it's unreliable. And in his services, he shows and demonstrates to people how the Bible is unreliable. He says we should base our faith on the resurrection. Well, how can we base our faith on the resurrection? Where do we get reliable accounts of the resurrection? The Gospel of Thomas? Or where do we get reliable accounts? Josephus? No. We get reliable accounts of the resurrection in the Bible. This is the fruits of the church putting Christ out of it. And we only have a remnant of overcomers. What it is, is they've rejected the message. And when they've rejected the message, they go off into all types of false doctrine. Hebrews 1, uh, 1 through 3. And then we're going to read Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. God, who, in, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by or in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom or in whom also he made the worlds, or it also speaks of in whom he also planned the ages. So through Christ, all the ages are planned and set forth. He is the purpose of creation, who being the brightness of his glory, brightness of God's glory, and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Then going forward to Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according 
to his own will. So look at this pattern. God spoke to the fathers in the prophets. God was veiled in prophets, being manifested to the people in the prophets. Then, next, God spoke to us in the Son. And it shows how the Son is so unique from the prophets. The prophets were a part of the Word, revealing the fullness of the Word, pointing to the fullness of the Word. The Son is so unique that He is literally the outraying of God's glory and the exact imprint of His invisible substance. Not only that, but He is the heir of all things and the one through whom God created the ages. See, He is what the ages hinge upon and the dispensations hinge upon. Three, salvation is purchased by the Son and then is proclaimed by witnesses and those witnesses have accompaniment of the Word which is the supernatural power of God. It says, signs, wonders, divers, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost through the witnesses. Amen. And that continues on. The Bible says the promises to you and to your children, to them that's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now many take these verses in the denominations and non-denominational churches and they say, well, we don't have prophets now. After Jesus, there's no prophets, but the book of Acts and Ephesians and Romans and 1 Corinthians declares it differently to us. It shows the existence of prophets well into the church age. See, so you, you're misunderstanding. Let's look at what Brother Branham says, and it wasn't so from the beginning. Now we take our Lord. When he was here, he did not claim to do miracles. He said it was the Father God that dwelt in him. He, was, he expressed God through himself. God, in other words, built himself a body that he lived in himself. God came down, was manifested in the flesh in Christ, and it was not Jesus, the body, the Son of God. It was the God of glory in the Son of God, showing the glory of God, you see, through himself. The God of glory manifesting the glory of God. And in him, God dwelt in him, and he reflected God. Now, that's the way each of us ministers do. We reflect God as God is in us. And then that's the only way God can move and people can see God is through we, his servants. That's how people don't, won't read a Bible, but they'll read you, see? And so you reflect Christ. Your walks, your talks, your actions all reflect Christ. So God revealed in the form of the prophets. The Holy Ghost speaks through the prophets. God revealed perfectly and completely and uniquely in his Son to accomplish redemption. The Holy Ghost manifested in fullness in the Son. And then Christ proclaimed through his witness. Witnesses, the Holy Ghost through the fivefold ministry and, and the body of believers. So let's look at Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In the first church age, Paul fully delivered his message, and they had the full word of God. But then through the church ages, 
through the early time of the early church, they began to fell, fall away from that. As soon as the last apostle died, the process of falling away began. Now, through the church ages, they only had it in part. But in Malachi 4, we're promised, we were promised to be restored back to the fullness of the word. And we have that now. That came through the ministry of Brother Branham. Now, let's look. I'm going to read a quote from Things That Are To Be. It's a lengthy quote, but this is important. Brother Branham says, God, knowing the end from the beginning, therefore he allotted to his world a certain part of the word for each generation as they come along. He sent prophets in the Old Testament. We are taught in Hebrews 1, God in sundry times and diverse manners spake to the fathers through the prophets in the last day through his son Christ. Now, if we examine Scripture real well, when Jesus was on the earth and said he was the Son of God, they condemned him. He said, why would you condemn me when I say I am the Son of God when you, when you call those who the word came to gods? Abraham was considered a god. Elijah was considered a god. Isaiah was a god because the word of God came to them and they were in portion gods. Jesus said they were. He said, you call them gods. He said, though they were in portion. Now you see when the man was anointed like Joseph, he portrayed Christ. When Moses was anointed, he portrayed Christ. When David was anointed, he portrayed Christ. All leading up to Christ, and he was the fullness of the word. The word was made manifest in him. He was the complete anointed one. They had it by portions. We have it by portions. He was the anointed one. The entire plan of God lay in him laid in him. God's plan before the foundation of the world to redeem a lost world was in him. He was the word and he still is the word, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember, he came to the prophets, to the fathers, through the prophets, made himself known through the prophets, and then in this last day, through his son, Christ Jesus. He was God made manifest. Excuse me, I'm reading from a a quote. This is, sirs, we would see Jesus. He was God made manifest. Notice the word always comes to the prophet. God never did work through a group of people. It's an individual he works through. He worked in the days of Noah. Through Noah, he worked in the days of Moses. Through Moses, worked in the days of Elijah. Through Elijah, through Elisha and Elijah. Through Isaiah and those prophets as they came down through the age. And then when he was here, he was manifested fully, not in Pharisees, Sadducees, but in Jesus Christ. He was the word. That's why he could say what he said. That's the statements that he could make. Now, these Greeks knew of this, see. Through each age, God had allotted so much word, and the churches get it all confused up. Then he sends a prophet among them and vindicates the word. It's just like any other time. We speak today and say the Methodists. Lutheran said, when you believe, that's all you have to do. You're justified by faith. Believe. Many said they believed it and didn't have it. We know that. Along came Wesley with what called second work of grace, sanctification. All that shouts and are sanctified has got it. Many shouted, didn't have it. All along come Pentecost said, all that speaks with tongues has got it. Many spoke with tongues and didn't have it. All right. So we, we see there that this is like a, a beautiful exposition of many scriptures in the New Testament. The prophets are a part of the word. They're a part of the anointed one. Jesus is the word, the fullness of the word, and he is the anointed one. All the prophets came to portray and point ahead to Christ. 
All the prophets came after, came to portray and point us back to Christ. They are always a part of the word, pointing back to the fullness of the word. They were gods in portion. They were God in portion. See, that's what Brother Branham was saying. Jesus is the fullness of God manifested. God is a spirit. He's invisible. He, Jesus is the Son of God, but he, as a prophet, he and the Messiah, is the fullness of God manifested. The Father is God. Jesus is God manifested. All right, now, now let's look at the quote from things that are to be. I do not think that heaven is the place that my mother used to tell me about. I believe that the church has grown from that. To think it used to be a hundred years ago or two. I think the old timers used to think that everyone that died went up to heaven and had a harp, set up there on the clouds and played a harp. And they know that there was a place called heaven. But they, if that be so, all the musicians would have it on us, you see. But it isn't that kind of place. It isn't playing harps at all. I believe, I don't believe that the Bible teaches that, but that was a conception that they had before the fullness of the word come into existence or the opening of the seven seals. That's promised to us in this age that we understand. I believe that heaven's a real place, just the same as this is a real place. See, for God started us in our spiritual growth in this place. And I believe that heaven is a place just as real as this, where we don't sit up there for eternity and just sit on a cloud. We don't just strum our harp all from here ever, but we're going to a real place where we're going to do things, we're going to live, where we're going to work, we're going to enjoy, we're going to live, we're going to life, to a real eternal life, we're going to heaven, a paradise, just like Adam and Eve worked and lived and eat and enjoyed in the Garden of Eden before sin came, we're on our road back there again, right back, first Adam through sin taking us out, the second Adam through righteousness, bring us back again, justifies us and bring us back in there. So the part that I want to draw from the larger context of this sermon is that the fullness of the word has come into existence through the opening of the seven seals. That which has probed at through seven church ages has now been manifested in the seventh. We are restored back to the fullness of the word that was delivered through the apostles and the power of the Holy Ghost. In the Feast of the Trumpets, now the hidden mysteries of Christ was fully revealed in the seven seals. Amen. The Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham says, the first chapter of the Bible in the beginning, Genesis, one woman didn't misbelieve it, but she misinterpreted it. Let Satan misinterpret to her one word, surely. See, and then from that caused all this trouble and that was god speaking god's words and in the last chapter of revelation jesus himself said the same god said whosoever shall take one word out of it or add one word to it brother Branham says this the bible is the complete revelation of jesus christ and the seven seals had the mysteries hid of what it all was and it's supposed to open in the last days at the laodicean age at the end of time, thanks be to God, that finishes the message to the church, that finish, finishes it. When they look back and see what has been and see where it's all brought up to that, to, that finishes it to the age of the church. The message doesn't bring anything new beyond the Bible. It brings the Bible to full light and full revelation of the hidden mystery truths that are there. Daniel 12 says in the last day that the 
the opening of the word will come, and the wise will understand it, but the wicked will not understand. And the sermon seed is not here with the shock, Brother Branham says. Now notice, but at the opening of the seven seals, Revelation 10, the full word is to be born into manifestation again and vindicated by the Spirit of God in the full strength as it was when he was here on earth, manifested in the same way, doing the same things that it did when it was here on earth. Amen? Hebrews 13.8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In St. Luke 17.30, Jesus said, In the last days, as it was in the days of Sodom, when the Son of Man will be revealing himself again, it'll be the same thing. Let's reference that, Matthew 24.37. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. That word coming there is parousia. That word speaks of the arrival and the pre subsequent presence. It speaks of the presence. It could be literally translated the presence of the Son of Man. So we're looking at it as so as the days of Noah were, see, a period of time, so shall also the presence of the Son of Man be. It'll be a period of time wherein the Son of Man is present in his church. This is where the fullness of the word is restored back. The fullness of the word comes down to be manifested among us and through us. And it is the rising of the sun. Brother Branham says he is the one who opened those seals. He is those seals for the whole word of God is Christ. And Christ is the seals that was opened. What is the opening of the seals then? Revealing Christ, the son of man. It's a son of man, Brother Branham, revealing the son of man, Jesus Christ. And the very seven angels which represented the seven churches all completed. And we couldn't even see it. They did. They took the picture, not us. There he is, standing here, there, supreme judge, showing that he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. What identification? Quickening power did that to us. The opening of the seals reveals the Son of Man. That's the revelation of the Son of Man manifested amongst us in trying to do God a service without it being his will. But, but now is the bride calling. Now is when the seven seals has been opened. Now is when the complete things that the reformers left to be opened. And only Malachi 4 can do that because it takes the revelation straight from God to an individual to do so. My, how beautiful. Now is the seven seals open and it's the bride calling. Only Malachi 4 can do that. That's God's promise. To bring restoration. Let's break it down now. God is a spirit. In and of himself, he's not limited to a body. He cannot be seen. He covers all space and time. Then just prior to creation, he put forth from himself his word, his logos. As Brother Branham described, a light began to form. A part of God went out of God that became a body, a theophany that God dwelt in. So just to simplify this, God came was manifested as the fullness of the Godhead bodily in his Son. God had manifested in Son. Then, through the death, burial, resurrection, then on the day of Pentecost, Christ came back in bride form. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then this, was, this revelation was lost. And it had to be brought back to us by the opening of the seven seals. That restores us back to the original faith. 
Then the bride becomes the fullness of him that filleth all in all. It had to come in the seventh age, the maturing age, the maturing phase of going into completion or perfection, as the Bible calls it. That bride begins to go back to the original word. Brother Branham comes back to us with, Thus saith the Lord, to restore us back to the full word at the opening of the seven seals, so then that we can become the full word on display, the Son of Man in bride form. A word is a thought expressed. God manifested in the form of his bride. The Bible says all things are made manifested by the light. Whatsoever makes manifest is light. We are the light of the world. We are the light of the age because we are the manifestation of the word for our age. And that's why you see in Revelation 10, the mighty angel comes down with an open book, seven thunders utter their voices. So Christ comes, God himself in, comes down in theophany form with an open, seven sealed open book. He speaks forth. When he speaks forth, seven thunders utter their voices, those seven angels that came with the thunder and came and spoke to Brother Branham and dealt with Brother Branham. Then the seventh angel finishes the mystery, but it doesn't stop there. John is commanded to take the book and to eat it, and that's for the bride. That open book, the title deed, the mysteries revealed and opened up. We are to eat that and become that book. And when we eat that book, then we can prophesy again to many nations, tongues, tribes, and kingdoms. And that's what the message has to do. It has to go out to the world so that that book that we eat becomes what we prophesy again. Under our messenger, we're the final voice to the final age. Thank you for listening in. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know. You can write to me at jasondemars.com or wherever you've listened to this, you can respond there. Make sure to go on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please, if you would write a review there, I would greatly appreciate that. Give me, give me five stars or how many ever stars you want to give me on there and write a heartfelt review there that helps the algorithm same thing on youtube like comment uh, uh let me know that you're listening in i appreciate the feedback if you want to support it you can go to the buzzsprout link and you can uh, uh support at three five eight or ten dollars a month that's greatly appreciated pray for the missions trip that's coming up i'll try to keep you up to date on that over time through social media as, the, as it's safe and as the Lord allows. Appreciate you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to Equipping the Bride podcast. New episodes are posted every Friday. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. Please, I ask you to remember the believers and the missions work in the Middle East in prayer. May the Lord richly bless you.